When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to I've Never Had an Original Thought with me, Becky Lee. Thank you so much for being here. I am very, very happy that I'm in your ears. I just want to send you good wishes. I hope you're having a lovely day, whatever you're doing. And yeah, just good wishes, well wishes your way. Um good vibes guys anyway today i have lucy james back on the podcast i tried to keep it down to two parts but lucy said so much incredible stuff that this is now a three-part episode um as in like there'll be this episode and there's one more episode to come out but on today's one we talk about solipsism which is the idea kind of like that you're the only person that exists um and everyone else is just yeah I guess a figment of your imagination that's how I understand it feel free to argue with me um and tell me that I'm wrong um we also talk about the meaning of life and um what it means to just exist and not to do anything uh so it's a really great one I yeah it was it was so lovely to chat to Lucy again I really enjoyed it and I hope you do too as always please rate it five stars especially in Apple podcasts because Spotify is getting all the love so yeah hit me up on there and I will speak to you at the end bye also just as a trigger warning there is a brief mention of suicide um but if you skip to 10 minutes we finish talking about that um but apart from that yeah please enjoy um lots of love bye Hi everyone, welcome back to I've Never Had an Original Thought with me, Becky Lee, and also again with... Me, Lucy James. <laughs> Hi Lucy, it's so good to have you back. How have you been? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little bit tired today. I've just come back from a weekend in Snowden. Oh, how was it? Yeah, and really fun, yeah. A long, long walk. Yeah. But um, really, really lovely and... The weather has been absolutely amazing. So, is it is it nice up north at the moment? Yeah, it was really hot the whole time we were there. Just sun, 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 which was great. Oh, that that makes it. I think like you know when you go to Wales and those sorts of holidays, if you get the right weather, it's yeah, just definitely. amazing. So memorable and lots of places to swim as well, which is nice oh. when when the sun's out. You feel like you can. Yeah, which is nice. So, I love yeah. That. I'm going to Wales like in two weeks actually but there's a funny story about how I was going because I'm going with my partner's family and he called me up and he was like um then my family's taking you to Norway and I got so excited I like ran downstairs I was like mom dad Matt's taking me to Norway we're going to Norway 
And then they're like, oh, that's amazing. And I come back upstairs and I'm on the phone to him again. And he's like, no, be- no, Becky, um, we're going to North Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so that trip's finally come around. So we're going to North Wales, <laughs> not Norway. Nice, um, which is a bit different to Norway, but, you know, I'm excited mm. for it. Hopefully we'll climb up a few mountains. Yeah, next. Do you know where about you're going? Like, Snow- is it Snowdon or Snowdonia? Are they two different yeah, things? Yeah. Are they the same thing? Well, I think Snowdon is a... Well, Snowdon is the name of the mountain, but also a small area within Snowdonia. Oh, right, okay. Well, that's the area we're going to anyway. So, yeah, I'll have to climb yes. that in the next couple of weeks. Yes, do it. Um, if it's still sunny, I strongly recommend taking a high-factor sun cream and reapplying it every two to three hours. Oh, my God. Why do you have a bad experience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much all of us got sunburned. Oh. Even, like, there's a few of us who just don't burn ever yeah. at all and they got some meant to um yeah and because obviously you're walking in the same direction for a really long amount of time it's quite easy to get burned yeah. on like just one side oh God. of your body because you can't like you know if you feel yeah. yourself hot you can't exactly turn around and go the other way yeah um so yeah strongly advise some cream and like a long sleeve top as well but a light one yeah, so yeah, that if yeah. you are burning well i will let you know how it goes and take a swimsuit (laughs) wait for 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 the mountain yeah there's like a few lakes um on the way up one of them which is about halfway yeah maybe a little bit further than halfway i think it's the third or fourth lake and it has kind of like a little pebbly grassy like shore i guess i don't know what it would be called but um yeah really really gorgeous place to swim crystal clear blue water oh my god okay perfect thank mm. you i would never have brought a swimming costume otherwise so i'll have it on underneath my walking gear yeah do it that'd do be it. such a look with like walking boots and a swimsuit i'm surprised like can i have done that one yet <laughs> honestly okay so let's jump into it we're back in the our philosophy caps are on we left it at a simulation <laughs> but now uh-huh. i want to know who said i think therefore i am um cogito ego some i think yeah day card basically what i want to ask is do i know that anyone else exists because doesn't he say that so that that's the only way we can prove that we exist yeah <laughs> yeah i think for Descartes, the reasoning behind that is we cannot be sure of all of our sensory experiences but the one thing that we can be certain of is that we think uh, and, he's, and he says well that's enough to determine our existence mm. because you have to have a thinking being in order to think so the being must exist in order to think I think that's the general idea behind it but a lot of I think ideas around solipsism and doubt about mm. our reality and are we real are other people real kind of relate back to Descartes in his first meditations, he proposes a thought experiment um, where he talks about a, I think it's a demon. Yeah, so it's just called the evil demon argument. And it's in the first meditations. And he imagines that an evil demon of utmost power and cunning has employed all his energies in order to deceive us. Mm. And in the thought experiment... The demon is imagined creating a complete illusion of the world 
which we aren't able to see is an illusion. We just falsely believe it because that's the world that we experience. Yeah. I think in the thought, I think in the original quote, I can't find it right now, but I think it, it's something to do with being in, being sleeping and everything around you is... Anyway. <laughs> Basically, it's an analogy about dreaming and he's talking about how we can't be certain of our external reality because when we're in a dream, deep in a dream, we absolutely willingly believe that everything is. And he says the same thing may well be true of reality. Like, we can't be sure that this is real because our senses deceive us. Yeah. And essentially, he says that living is like being in... There's very little difference between living and living in a dream. But I think the thought behind it links back to the cogito ergo something which is like the that we think is enough to know that we exist we you know we can't be certain of the exact reality of the external world but if we are thinking then we are existing regardless of what we are perceiving yeah does that make sense (laughs) i think i think so what I really want to know is if you subscribe to sol is it solipsism? Solipsism. Mm-hmm. Solipsism. Because I think it could actually be really like upsetting mm-hmm. if you wholeheartedly like commit to this idea that you're the only person that exists. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I used to think about that as being quite an upsetting thing to realise. Yeah. And I remember speaking about it in one of my philosophy seminars when we were talking about simulation theory and my lecturer asked us, what would you do if you realised that you were living in the simulation? And I said that I would kill myself. And the reason behind that was, yeah, apologies if that's a trigger warning for anyone, but the reason behind that was because I thought that it's the worst possible thing that one could find out is that they have been deceived about their entire life and everything around them yeah and and it was the element of deception i think that i found really irrecoverable like i wouldn't want to continue living if i knew that everything that i've ever thought and felt has been because something has deceived me into feeling and thinking those things but um someone in that seminar made an interesting point and they said but why would it matter it does not invalidate any of those things that you've experienced Mm. or felt and it doesn't invalidate the people around you and their meaning to you doesn't change you know because if all of a sudden the whole of reality is shattered like that and you realize that everything is an illusion or some kind of virtual creation and you are the only thing that exists is outside of it like it doesn't necessarily have to change the the meaning of all those relationships Mm. you know like I think my friends don't have to be the you know the exact same type of thinking being as I for them to have meaning in my lives I think that's the point so like and I think that's quite a useful way of thinking about it you know like a dog or a cat or a mouse can still have a lot of meaning in our lives and we are unsure whether they are conscious thinking beings you know so it doesn't necessarily mean that our relationship with them would be completely ruined if Mm. they happen to not be thinking beings like we Mm. still have some kind of relationship with them in terms of whether or not i believe in it i think 
probably not. I don't think that it's impossible. I think, you know, there are a number of convincing arguments that can be made about it, but the sheer amount of individuals that would have to be falsely created is, wow, I mean, it's a lot, you know, it really is a lot. And I think, you know, even in simulation theory, there's like, hundreds and thousands of us living in a in a simulation. So like all of us are real people still. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard to imagine that that many different kinds of people could be totally unreal. Yeah. And I think, you know, more the more reasonable aspect of solipsism, which I find interesting, is like how can you be sure that another person is the same kind of thinking being as you. So, like, mm. I feel like it's much easier to say, oh, well, these people do exist in some form, you know, like... Yeah. Even if they're not real, real, whatever, because that, you know, depends on what definition of real we are we are using here. If we're talking about real, real, as in, like, exactly the same kind of being as me um, that exists externally and thinks in the same way that I do um even if we think that and there's still I, I don't know I mean like what I'm trying to say is like I think the real part <laughs> of real real which is that like you exist because I perceive you and you affect my life and I can interact with you and then you've got real real which is like you are exactly the same kind of thinking being and you experience the same thoughts and feelings and processes that I do I think that second part is harder to confirm yeah um but again I mean there's a lot of evidence pointing towards that being the case if you think about how much like convergence there is between people's personal experiences like I don't know man like I think if you whatever you experience if you type that into google you will find find a forum with like hundreds of people who have similar experiences you know and like mm, I mean this podcast is literally called I've never had an original thought so obviously people <laughs> are thinking the same things as me yeah 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 for sure and you know I think that the more that you delve into that the more it, it the more it's the more difficult it is basically to say that nobody else is as real as me or nobody else is the same as me mm. um and I think as well you know some things that true that is some things that make me feel even more that that is true is kind of like uh, experiments which play with people's like sensory perceptions when like like non-verbal you know yeah non things that are visual experiences or auditory experiences um so there's uh, I was chatting to a very interesting uh, guy called Anil Seth who is a neuroscientist um who was one of the uh speakers at a panel on on the mystery of consciousness which is hosted at the university of liverpool um in partnership with the panpsychast a couple of months ago and he runs this thing called the dream machine um which is an experiment where they put people into a kind of a room which like has I don't know how how you describe it. I suppose it's kind of like a submersive light experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
and this, I think the sound, I'm not sure, but we were chatting about the how sound would affect um, that kind of experience. But I asked, well, do people, is there ever convergence between people's reports afterwards? Like, do people say the same things? And they're like, oh yeah, all the time people seem to have had very similar experiences. A lot of people will say they've uh, visualized a similar thing, which I think is really, really interesting, you know, that you think that when you're not speaking or interacting with other people, you're just like responding to like um, stimuli in that way that your experience would be independent, but actually there there is quite often convergence between these things. And I think that that's true even of like more less sciencey, more spiritual types of experiences. So um, I went to the gong bath once and had quite a vivid vision of experience. And yeah, about an hour or so in the first hour, I think was just um, felt like a meditation, but a bit more intense. And then I started to have like a visual response. And, And I saw like specific images and that, like a little while after that, I Googled it because I was interested, like, oh, I wonder if this has any significance, you know, like what do these symbols mean? Is there anything behind that? Have other people had those kinds of experiences? And it came up that it was like a really common thing that a lot of people who'd had gone maths or other spiritual experiences, people in, you know, kind of near-death situations or out-of-body experiences yeah. had re- reported the same kinds of symbols. And I think even you know, paranormal things like ghosts, I think is a very similar thing. People always seem to mention very similar kind of um, things that they've seen, you know, like shadows downstairs or even behaviours that they they have observed that they can't explain, they tend to be similar behaviours. So I think that for me is like probably enough to suggest that the other people in this world are the same kind of ex- experiential beings as I am. And yeah, I think what's really interesting uh, about it, to be honest, is that if you follow through with the idea of our experience being very, very similar, um, then eventually you could end up in a place where subjective consciousness is actually an illusion <laughs> and we are all experiencing the same things. Um, but for some reason we have this like identity button <laughs> in our heads, which is like, I'm an individual, I'm called Lucy, I have red hair and you know, and it's like my experience is different to yours because of this. Um so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think in my the way that I think about it is well, my view um is that like when we are born, we are all born with this like blank slate of consciousness which mm. is the same pretty much the same yeah um and then depending on our like experiences that evolves and you know i mean your physical brain structure changes depending on the um real life experiences that you have and because of that then your responses to things also changes and i think that that's why we end up with subjective consciousness i don't think that it is an absolute given i think that it's what happens by nature of the differences in people's experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to prove that because it's near impossible to ensure that two people are born 
with the exact yeah. same type of consciousness and it's impossible to control it so that they have the exact same experiences for a lifetime yeah. so you can't really measure subjectivity in that sense and i guess that's part of why it remains such a mm. mystery you know definitely i was just thinking about when you were chatting about like my first experience with perception and or like even just philosophy and i remember being so young and thinking well i know what red is as in like colors it was so mm-hmm. early like from colors and i was like i know i perceive red as a color but if someone asked me to describe what red looked like the only thing i'd be able to say is red so mm-hmm. how do i know obviously we spoke about the way that we perceive things and if we're all experiencing things in the same way Mm-hmm. But how do I know someone's color color palette isn't just completely different to mine? Is there any way of proving that? Um, I mean, I don't know if there is a way of proving it. I think that we can kind of determine what red is in terms of um, where it is placed on, like the radiation spectrum. Mm. But we can't determine that people experience the same thing when they see red now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for people who are colorblind, I think it's not that they see, like, they can't identify... I don't know, I think it's not that they can't identify red from green or something like that. It's more that the lines are blurred. Yeah. That they have a different experience of colour, which makes the colours merge. Yeah. You know, so it's less easy for them yeah. to identify something very specific or kind of close to colours yeah. kind of merge with one another. Um, which does suggest that we have different experiences. But I think with that stuff it you know, maybe the reason there is because of like a physical disability. Like when we're talking about colour blindness, mm. it's like something is different in their eyes or in their Something different in their yeah. body which affects the way that they perceive colours and light, which then creates that effect. And if we can measure that, and then if people who are colourblind, there are tendencies to have the same experience of colours, then maybe that would suggest that our experiences of colours are probably similar to one another. Okay. But at the end of the day, that you can't, yeah. you can't completely prove that because you cannot know what it is like to experience colour from another person's perspective Mm -hmm. so So it's like only by inference if that makes sense yeah yeah no 100% and also just like perceiving ourselves we can we can never perceive ourselves in the way that other people perceive us also we can never see ourselves we can only ever see ourselves through a reflection and I read this thing once I don't even know if it was true but apparently if you saw yourself walking down the street you wouldn't be able to recognize yourself Oh, yeah, definitely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I, Surely I, you would. I feel like mm, I've got a good eye for myself. No, no, I think that it, I think that there's a high chance that you wouldn't. And the really? reason I say this is because... I'm always very bewildered about this fact that we can't know what we look like to other people. Mm. It's something that has always bothered me. And there's one side of that, which I think is like having the experiences of a young woman in a Western society and having yeah. all this pressure on the on your appearance yeah. and the importance of your appearance and trying to control the way that others see you and trying to fit a specific image. But another part of that, I think, is like very much a philosophical thing, which is like, I don't know what I look like mm. <laughs> and that is really confusing mm. and I play this game with my partner and I mean it's a game for me I don't think he really <laughs> <laughs> um let's call it is that what I look like but basically I'm always kind of looking for a reference point for myself yeah so like whether it's like somebody on tv or somebody in the gym or somebody that we just see walking past mm. I'm like is that what I look like? <laughs> and like nine out of ten times, he's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and then very occasionally he's like, mm, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, the hit rate for getting this is so low. It is so low. And something else as well, I think, is like if you, you know, I think mirrors is one thing, but we kind of understand that mirrors aren't reliable because, you know, I think your idea of yourself affects how you perceive yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, something that I find really interesting is photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a similar effect there. Like, I think if you see yourself in a photograph, you're gonna see that differently to other people. Yeah. So, you know, they'll just see you as Becky. Like, but you'll see like, oh, this and this and this. Hundred percent. Um, but what's really interesting to me is that, like, how different you can look in different photographs oh at the same time in your life and I sometimes I'm I compare two photographs and I'm like I look like two entirely different people which is crazy because even taken within the space of like 10 minutes yeah yeah literally literally and um you know even in the same lighting you know it's like the amount of things that 
play into how how you look. I think, yeah, I think it would be very difficult to recognise yourself if um, you saw, like, a total clone walking down the street. And, yeah, the reason I say that is because of my own experience of basically having no idea what I look like, even though I see reflections of myself all the time. Um, Another thing that I find interesting is that I've noticed that when I spend time with different people myself, image changes. Oh, my God, yes. So, like, if I'm around a certain person for a lot of time, I start to feel like I look like them or I'm making the same expressions Mm. as them. Um, Or vice, you know, it it works the opposite way. Sometimes I'll use them as, like, a way of kind of being like, oh, I'm different from them in this way. Mm. And then I focus on that difference. But, like, the image of myself in my head changes depending on the people that I'm around, which... A gazillion percent. If I hang around with people that, like, (laughs) I know love me, I always look at myself in such a kind of light than with Mm. if I'm, like, among strangers or, like... I don't know, if I'm, like, at a party and I say it's, like, I've met new people and I'm in the bathroom and I'm, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's so weird. It's so, so weird. Um, Yeah, so I feel like, no, I definitely think that it would be difficult to recognise yourself. Do you think, um, I, I don't know if this is true as well, but there was, like, a, it was probably a hoax article, but I did read it about how, um, you make yourself like you perceive yourself as more attractive than you actually are yeah I don't know if that's true I think but I feel like it would go the other way like because I feel I think yeah I think it both basically Mm. I think it depends on the situation I think when you look in a mirror you have a tendency to pose in a way that is flattering so I think most of the time if you're looking in a mirror then maybe you'll see a more attractive version of yourself yeah because your body automatically responds in that way but I think in in a picture especially if it's a candid photo Mm. it probably has the opposite effect you see yourself as less attractive because you're focusing on all the things that look different from when you're looking at yourself in the mirror whereas to another person they just see like they just recognize you most of the time like yeah or there's like you know sometimes there's like a oh you look nice oh you look funny but like that's usually because it goes the extent of it a hundred percent investigating it to the same degree as you would Mm, yeah definitely so I want to move on a little bit um Mm -hmm. earlier on you spoke about like meaning and how you know meaning might not necessarily be diminished even if you are the only person on the whole planet but is there any sort of inherent meaning to life I think my parents very much brought me up in the in the in the philosophy of like you just create meaning for yourself I guess for people that are religious and mm. are practicing religious people life has a lot of meaning and they kind of know what that is but I guess if you're more agnostic or atheist then is it just for you to decide like is that just the the key like uh, life is whatever meaning you subscribe to it I think there's two questions in this and the first one is like is life meaningful Mm. and the second one is how do we determine what meaning is Mm. and in the first one I think my answer is yes life is meaningful because I think that life has inherent value it comes quite naturally for me yeah that way and I think for a lot of other people as well anything that is living is has some kind of value or something yeah. um 
The second one, I think, is more tricky um, because, again, we're getting into something about, like, subjectivity, mm. you know? what Do people have different ideas of meaning? Is there one idea of meaning that is more that more meaningful than the other, mm. if you like? And how do we discover what meaning is? I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. I think um, a lot of people are attracted to religions um or you know other spiritual cultures or cults even or mm. groups um ideological groups especially because it's attractive that like you know there's a set of values there and if you're part of this group or if you're part of this religion then yeah this kind of makes you feel like you're normally you know like most of your ideas yeah. and thoughts and values are being represented so you just follow this yeah particular set of principles or like activities that yeah. you think corresponds to that um i think for somebody who is atheist maybe there is a comfort in that in the same way but on the opposite side i think you have there's a comfort if you relinquish meaning entirely and you're like well Nothing has any yeah. real meaning, you know. It just is what it is. And reality is very black and white and empty and yeah. mathematical, you know. Um, and I think that some people think that maths is beautiful and it makes it an exciting and that view of things, they might have the same response to. There are other people who are more cynical and think, no, none of it matters, but <laughs> they still have a will to survive regardless. Yeah. Um. I think the agnostic might have a more difficult time because you're kind of switching, well, not switching, but like, you know, floating or swaying between those different ideas and you're not really sure and you're taking on board all the different possibilities. Um, I think all of them, you know, are have their pros and cons and are you know, valid ways of living. Um, I don't think one is necessarily that. I don't think that, you know, any of those yeah. ways of navigating your life is superior to one another. I think probably the choice of how you navigate and the choice to ascribe meaning or not to ascribe meaning or to neither ascribe or not ascribe meaning, I think they probably all have some kind of meaning in themselves yeah. because it's you responding to your environment. You're not taking everything on face value. There's some kind of questioning going on here. And I think the reason I think that's true, even for the very black and white scientific views of the world, is that I think religion is quite a natural human response. Um, and that's why it's been around for so, so, so long, even before we had organised religions like Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, um, things like just worshipping the sun or, you know, like ancient pagan rituals yeah. in the West. Um, that is quite a natural response for humans to understand in the world. So I think if you actively dismiss that and you're like, no, I don't believe that that's wrong, um, and you follow like a more kind of strict um, clinical view of the world, even that in itself is 
a, cho- a meaningful choice that yeah. you know because you're understanding your position is distinct from theirs yeah and that has its own set of like principles and characteristics and group identity so yeah I don't mean it is a tricky one I think um where I sit personally would be somewhere um somewhere on the existentialist line so I think that there is an inherent inherent value to all experience yeah um even if that experience is suffering and I I believe that it's valuable I don't think that suffering is inherently valuable because Mm. it is suffering but I think that all experiences have inherent value and meaning you know like Mm. It could be a positive value, it could be a negative value. It yeah, could be I get you. A neutral value, but it all has meaning. There is some significance to the experience because there is something it is like to be me. There's something it is like to be you. There's something it is like yeah. to be a raccoon. There's something it is like to feel love or pain yeah. or greed or disillusionment, you know. And for me, I think what something that's maybe really helped me in terms of mental health and I think probably it helps a lot of other people too is recognizing that there is meaning in all of those experiences yeah um and there is meaning in just being as well you know and that's I mean that's a really important one for me which I think I'm very attracted to Buddhist philosophy partly for that reason um I think that's kind of lost as well like I think yeah, definitely. I, there was there was one time in uni where I was reminded that like I was a being, not a doing, which sounds like cringy, but mm. like just existing is enough. Yeah, no, definitely, it really is, and it's hard. It's really hard to maintain that in your head, and I think I don't know whether it's. I think it would be reductionist for me to say it's a Western thing, but I think it's something that is very prevalent in our society. Um, I think people attach a lot of value and a lot of their identity to what they do and what they achieve and their career. Oh, and, and monetarily as well, like... Is yeah, there... yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think... Yeah, I understand the edge through that. And I think maybe, you know, there is probably something that is quite intuitively human about that. But at the same time, it does seem like something that is growing in intensity with the system that we live in yeah um and i think it's important to remember that it's okay to simply survive and oh, to just 100%. do nothing like and something that i try to remind myself and others is like even if you did nothing else for for the rest of your life of you know worthy of note like that wouldn't make you a failure like and even if, do you know what I mean? Like, even beyond success and failure, it is enough simply to exist and experience the world around you. Something that really massively shifted my um, idea of what the importance of life is and what the meaning of life is and whether existence is worth living was... Um, uh, very short piece from a chapter of Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. He's a spiritual teacher 
Um, he's got some semi-Buddhist ideas, but not explicitly religious. Yeah. Um, and he tries to guide people into a path of enlightenment by dialogue with his students. So the audio book is particularly good. Um, it's developed in a way that helps you enter quite a calm state. You know, the speech is quite slow and um, every chapter they have like a chime, um, which I like. I, and, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to everything that he says. Um, and I think, you know, probably like all important thinkers <laughs> or, you know, prevalent people with who, who are suggesting a particular path of living, is it definitely going to be people who completely disagree with them? And, you know, it's good to stay critical anyway. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But there was one point in his book that really resonated with me where he was talking about how he'd gone through a long period of depression where he became unable to do anything, unable to eat, unable to wake up in the morning. He just felt like, what's the point? There's no use in doing anything. And then um, I think he either left or he got kicked out of the place that he was living in because he wasn't paying rent. And for three weeks, he just sat on a park bench and, like, I assume went and got bits of food either from people nearby or people he knew or he maybe had a little bit of money to go into cafes but he spent all day and all night on a park bench for an amount of time and he said that at some point in doing that he realized that that's what life is it's simply existing mm. and you know when I realized that and recognized that oh, I think when I listened to it for the first time I was like oh, wow that sounds so peaceful like, <laughs> maybe I should just do that, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I think I was in uni at the time and, like, I had a lot of pressure coming from many different things like home life as well. And the idea of just doing nothing but living on a park bench was like, wow, I want that so much, you know? And that's something that most people consider, like, worst-case scenario for their life. Mm. Um, and after that, I realised, like, wow, okay, there is value in simply being just being nothing else and I think it really shifts your perspective I mean it's like anybody else I still fall into the like thinking like oh what am I doing with my life yeah. is this really what I want to achieve like do I have potential to do more than this but at the end of the day I always know that even if I lost absolutely everything if I lost my job every penny that I had my partner, like my house, my home, if I was just walking and living on a park bench and begging for food, that would be a valuable existence. Mm. And once you realise that, I think the pressure is just massively lifted from, from you. And Thank you so much for listening to another episode of I've Never Had an Original Thought with me, Becky Lee. You can keep up with us on Instagram at notanogthoughtpod. So that's N-O-T-A-N-O-G thoughtpod. Um, and yeah, as always, please rate us highly because I really appreciate it. It warms my heart. Um, apart from that, I hope you look forward to the next episodes. Please, please, please share it. I will repost it, share it, um, tell your friends about it because that always makes me super happy as well and it's just one of like 
yeah, the most supportive things that you can do. And to anyone that's already done that, I really appreciate it. I love you so much, Ray. So thank you again, and I hope you enjoyed, and I will see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.